Hello and welcome to Kingdom Testimony. I've been, uh, I just started actually, going through the end of 2017 and the things that have been taking place pretty much since then. Um, 2018 was most notable, but that's because it was so brand new, all the things that were happening. And I don't know now if I'm just kind of like, oh yeah, it's, you know, well that happened again. You know, it's too bad we can't keep things fresh in our mind. When the Lord does something, you know, it should be just as exciting as the first time. So, <clears throat> all right, well let's, let's keep going. Um... November 4th of 2017, I, for some reason, I don't know why, but I decided that it was something that I could do for my siblings, whom, remember I said when my mom passed away in 2010, there was a strained relationship between us sisters, and then, um... Like, I have a large family. It was just kind of like everybody, my my mom was so manipulative at the end that she would stir up contention between all the siblings. And it was just so that she had something to do. You know, she wasn't always like that. She was a cool mother, a fun and everything. But toward the end, it was just like always stirring things up. So there was, there was like distance between all of us kids. And I think by this time, what was there, like seven, six of us, six of us left, left out of the nine. Well, my great, 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 great grandfather had um, bought some mineral rights property out in North Dakota where the oil wells were. And by this time, there was so many kids that had been born to all of the families down the line that there was really nothing left of it for, for each person. But I was working for the uh, court system in North Dakota, and I had an office in with a family attorney um, I was renting an office from him, and I talked to him one day, and I said, you know, do you know anybody who can do these probates for these oil well rights? I said, there's there's really no worth to it, but since my mom passed away, there's like a couple thousand just sitting there, and the state's going to take it unless we probate it and, um, you know, do that whole process. And I said, can you get it done for the amount of money that's just sitting there that the state's going to take anyway, and then we can pass it on to our kids and grandkids. They might make $6 a year. You know, it's, it's really been divided up that many times. But as long as the money's sitting there, can you, can you do that? And he said, sure. So I, talk, I sent an a, uh, email out to all my siblings, and everybody was like, yeah. Yeah, let's do that, you know, and and uh, 
whatever if there's any extra expenses or whatever just let us know so I got the ball rolling on it and it was only because I was in the building with a family attorney and it wouldn't really be any you know work on my part well that started getting all of us talking again and just kind of like going over what happened in the last few years and all that stuff with mom was so rough and you know and dealing with we had a sister and a brother die um, of cancer in between that time and it was just kind of getting all of us to just start talking again so <clears throat> in December there was a meeting that took place between us well, only five of us could make it, but there were six siblings. And my one sister, um, who went to, who, who's Pentecostal, and she was going to a lot of, um, like, prophecy conferences, revival meetings, and things like that. Now, I was with um, my second husband at the time, and remember, I think I, I said that I was going to a Lutheran church, and it was everything he could do to stay awake in there. And myself, I'm like, okay, I am not going to fall asleep in church. My dad always did that. And, you know, now my husband at the time, he's fallen asleep. And it's like, oh, what am I doing in this Lutheran church? I don't want to be here. I used to go to a, I was saved and went to a Pentecostal church. And I used to go to like, you know, spirit-filled churches and so I'm like, oh, I need something, Lord. I just need something else, you know. And I could feel that the spiritual atmosphere was different. It was late 2017. I'm like, I just need something else. So my one sister who lived in Minneapolis and was doing all the Pentecostal stuff, she's like, why don't you come down in January? I'm going to a prophecy conference for the weekend. I said, you know, that is just what I need. I need to be revived and so we made plans to do that um so going through now my notes here um i noted on in november this is the last call and i'm not sure because the song i hear you calling in the night it's a very lutheran song it's actually a catholic song and I'm not knocking any religious on religions. I'm just saying you only hear that song in the Catholic and Lutheran churches. I, to me, anyway. I don't know why the Lord took me through a bunch of different denominations. Um, and that's why I'm not knocking them because... <clears throat> okay. Um, and then I started coming across Jeremiah 50, which is a very... Uh, judgment day kind of thing. Um, so let's see. And then I make a note about the Sutherland, Texas massacre. Um, and then I make a note about Zephaniah 3 about the faithful remnant. Now, I'm, at this point, I'm not thinking that we're, you know, approaching the very last days, but it's kind of, it's kind of been like gnawing at me, and I was telling my husband that we need to start preparing 
You know, we need to have a place just in case something happens where, you know, we can maybe prepare to, to survive if there's an off-grid situation or an economy crashes. Because, I mean, that's, that's kind of been going through, you know. Um, and then I note Isaiah 30, 15, In returning and rest you shall be saved, and quietness and confidence shall be your strength. And that's a verse that he's always been showing to me. And then I note Psalm 91, which is, of course, within the last couple of years, been the big one for everybody. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. Pestilence, nor of the pestilence. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand. You know, it's a very, uh, very last days psalm. Okay. Um, so I'm going through, and I'm in November, toward the end of November. And I see where I wrote... Apparently I had opened to Jeremiah 1 where he asks if I'm ready. And whenever the Lord would ask that, it means there was something coming. Um, and now into December, I notice that I'm basically working and wondering about my classes with the Christian counseling. I did make a list of things that have to happen before I can <clears throat> go into the next phase of life with that. Um, yeah, let's see. So I don't want to just, you know, go day by day because it's, that, that would be boring. So December 11th, we had the meeting with the family. And I, I talked with Leah in January. We set it up that we were going to go to her to her um, church with her pastor we were going to go to the revival center and then we were going to go to the prophecy conference which was all weekend long one thing she said to me was run with me sister and we shall be blessed i i wrote that down and i never forgot it because it was like i i need to run i need to run so she was kind of showing me the stuff that she you know, was looking into. She was giving me names to check out. And it was people that, you know, some of them I had heard of, like Catherine Kuhlman. Others I hadn't heard of, like Derek Prince. And so she's been sending me, she was sending me links of things to check out. And at this point, I had um, canceled my lease or my lease ran out you know 
with the attorney, but he still agreed to help me out. And so I was, I was spending more time at home. Uh, I had set up a home office and I would do, you know, I'd do work on my caseload during the day. And then at lunch, I would start looking up some of these links of people, you know, and it was like, wow, these people are doing like miraculous things. That's, that's so cool. You know, Catherine Kuhlman, of course, had already passed away. Um, but it was stuff that I had missed because I had stopped going to Pentecostal, the Pentecostal church I was attending. Oh man, like 30 years prior. So in the past 30 years, it's like, where have I been? I mean, I was in and out of different types of Christian churches and some spirit-filled and others I was hoping would be. And But it was like, where have I been with all of the, the spirit moving, you know, among the people? So I was just watching all of this stuff on YouTube and it's like, wow. And Kevin started to notice a difference in me and he's just, he didn't really know what to think of it and I was like no this is this is good the Lord is active and he's doing things and so December 15th um, I had a vision I actually had two two visions the first one I was standing on the edge of a bottomless canyon or a cliff I was about to go over I was about to start flailing my arms, but I had been having the thought that if I fell with no supporting bottom, he would carry me on wings of eagles. Um, and then thinking last night how far apart me and my sister had grown and how we are a little fearful of another chasm between us, and I pictured the Lord holding my hand and my sister's hand, bridging the gap, and us joking about who's on his right, or who, righteous right hand, gets to hold his right hand. So that was two visions that I had. And I used to have visions every now and then. They were, you know, very few and far between, nothing extremely notable, but, and I can still picture them in my mind. The one especially about the uh, the chasm, where I was about to go over. Um, and so it's it was interesting that I would have like two visions. And when I say visions, it's not like I was taken anywhere or, you know, that that I have a really active imagination because I don't. I, I can't close my eyes and actually picture anything when I'm falling asleep I don't see things like a lot of people do you know they fall asleep and all of a sudden they start seeing things when they're like going to sleep or whatever that's not me um so I thought that was interesting you know it's like huh yeah I would really like to to have visions again um and dreams like some of the some of the older ones I've had I would I would jot these down um, 
And let me see. These are some of the, the old ones. Um, so let me let me just give you an idea. On May eighth of twenty twenty, this was you know like a year and a half ago. The Lord is saying again, write all your visions down in here, and you will be surprised. So I think I'm ready to do that. Um. And so I start writing down the ones that I can remember. The very first vision I had was when I first got saved in 1985. I don't know if it was that exact year, but I think so. I was sitting on what was like a hay bale, about 50 yards away from a scene that was taking place in heaven. Jesus was there in white and he was handing out assignments or answers to prayer to angels. The angels were gathered in this garden place, talking among themselves. He was on the perimeter of the garden, looking in behind... No, I. I was on the perimeter of the garden, looking in behind a hedge or a bush. As one or two angels would get their papers, quotation marks, they would leave and then on to the next. It was a very relaxed atmosphere, and the angels looked like men, normal everyday people except they also were dressed in white and they had wings. Um, let's see. Around this time, I had a dream. Me and my one sister and a bunch of Christians were all lined up. This is when I first saved, hand in hand, um, on the street by where I grew up. The rapture was happening and we were all looking up at the sky. My other sister lived um, across the street a block down but she wasn't in line with us so I asked my sister quickly where is our other sister she said she's coming she's just a little ways down the line so that was my rapture dream okay now still around in the 1980s my next vision was not too long after when I was praying and I saw the outline of Jesus's head and his face but what stuck out the most were his very big eyes of fire. Then, not too long after that, I had a feeling of hell. It was the scariest, most forlorn feeling ever. No love, forsaken, utter darkness. The Lord let me feel it, then drew me out. It was so scary and sad. I can still remember that. And that was 40, almost 40 years ago. I can still remember that. It was the most awful thing. Then about 1988, I had a dream of heaven where I had just arrived and was walking along a country lane, like a Thomas Kincaid painting, except this was before he made those. This was before who I knew who he was. My mom came skipping and running up to me and was hugging me. She was so excited. I had finally arrived. Then I looked and uh, Christine, my other sister, who passed away in 2015, and my brother Kevin, who had passed away in 1996, I believe, were there too. 
Mom was excited to show me her little cottage down a shady lane, and so was Teen. I didn't see Kevin clearly or talk to him, but I feel sure that was him. Teen, exci- teen was excited to show me her house, but Mom said, no, Teen, me first, and they left. Laughed, not left. They laughed. Mom was still Mom. Then Mom grabbed my arm and led me away to her house. So, and I still can picture that one. That one's, it was, it was so cute. It was so cute. They were in paradise. Around the same time, I was asking God how prayer works, and he showed me a vision of beams or thin tunnels of light that shoot up to heaven. Um, around 1989, I was praying, and the Lord spoke clearly to my heart, man of light in a boat. I then pictured Jesus sitting in a boat. Um, some of these I'm kind of going to skip because they're, they're not, they're not good toward some persons. Um, and the one turned out to be very true about my first husband, but I'm not going to say what it is. All right. In 2008... I was at mom's in the basement and he showed me a stairway to heaven that was wide enough for angels to ascend and descend. Me and my one sister were on it. Okay, this one is, I don't like this one, but I do have to read it. Um, now, what my sister who lives in Minneapolis that I was going to start spending a bunch of time with in the Pentecostal church. She was with my dad when he passed away. And she assures me that um, he was saved. Before that, he wasn't, but she assures me that he was. So right after dad died in 2002, um, my mom didn't want to sleep alone. We were all up at her house. This is six years before me and my sister moved into the basement. So I slept with mom and I was seeing demon faces, which the house was haunted, remember? So I would, every time someone would sleep over there, it didn't matter who it was, usually girls, any girls in the family, nieces, sisters, they're like, we don't want to sleep at mom's house because when we're falling asleep, we see demon faces. And everybody knew you just rebuke them in Jesus' name and they go away. Well, I was sleeping with mom, and after the demon faces stopped, I saw me in my dad's body in Grand Central Station. And he was looking, now this is me looking through his eyes, at the two doorways and standing by a marble column. I've never been there, but I've seen pictures. Watching a lot of people streaming through the station. On the right was a single file of people dressed in white, not looking around, just heading straight through the one glowing single white exit door. So there was white bright light on the other side of this door, but it was like frosted glass. Where dad was standing was on the left side and he was watching all of this take place. There was an unsettled crowd looking around and heading uncertainly toward the two double doors to the left. 
Some would turn around and their faces would jitter and morph into an animal scary face. We know that now to be like a shape-shifting thing. I thought, Dad, please don't go through those double doors. And then I woke up. Actually, I wasn't even asleep when that happened. Hmm. All right. In 2014, <clears throat> I was up in Minnesota. I was remarried. This is my second husband. I had quit the job with the government, and I started digging into um, 18th and 19th century Christian notable people, either Christian authors like Andrew Murray or like Jonathan Edwards, who wrote that famous sermon, um, Sinners in the Hands of a Angry God or something like that. I would look it up. Jonathan Edwards. I think it's Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He had so many people weeping and repenting with that sermon. Okay, so I was reading all kinds of people like that. Moody, Spurgeon, all those guys. I took a break. I had set up an office in the basement of this house. And then I came upstairs. I took a break and I was just like I had been at it all day. And it was so fascinating to me, but I just I was so tired. So I lay down on the couch and I was going to take a nap. I, when I lay down and shut my eyes, I did not fall asleep. But I found myself in a light blue ocean. But the water was thicker and you could breathe in it. It was light blue, but it had crystals. I can still see it. It had crystals in it. It was like an ocean, and I was being pulled in, like not pulled under, because I, I started out under already, and you could breathe. But I was being pulled further in, and it was like an ocean of his love. And once I got to a certain point, I could feel this overwhelming feeling of all of the fruits of the Spirit, joy, peace, love, kindness, patience. But the most prominent one, of course, was his love. It was just surrounding me and wrapping me like in a big hug. And it was like nothing ever to worry about ever again. And I was being sucked in to this. And I had to decide at that point, do I want to stay? Which meant that I would die. You know, they would, like, my husband would find me, and I I don't know if it'd be a heart attack or what it would be. Um, natural causes, not really, because I was in my 40s at the time. I think I'd just turned 50. Is that nine? Yeah. I don't know. Um, but, no, I was like 52. I don't know. But I was like, oh, Lord, oh, oh, oh I want to stay here. Um, but I opened my eyes and it was like, oh, man, 
So I hope that's what it feels like to die. I really do. Um, so that's about it. Um, there is one more in 2015 that I want to talk about. Um, because then I, then I now I come back to... that. Now I'm up to the, the ones I just told you about. I had... A miscarriage after I had my three kids so I have had two boys and one girl and then I had oh no 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 before I had any of my kids I was pregnant and I don't know I was maybe three months along and I miscarried um, and this was with my first husband and um, I prayed and prayed and prayed about it and the Lord revealed to me that it was a girl. And so based on the um, Bible story, I named her Hannah. And so in 2015, so like that was in like 1983, I'm going to say. So, in, I, I, you know, I would think about it every now and then, but I was like, I don't know, you know. I'm sure that the Lord showed me it was a girl at the time, so I'm pretty sure I must have a daughter in heaven. And I would just kind of let it go. So in 2015, I was driving back from the lake, and um, my husband then, he was driving his mom back from the lake and I had to come back at a separate time or I had to come down at a separate time because I had to work so anyway we were in two different cars so I'm driving in a car out in the country coming back from the lake it's like an hour and a half drive and I was playing this one song by Chris can't think of it it's called the upside of down and I just love the song so I was had it on repeat. I was just playing it over and over and over. And I was just like in a trance, just kind of praying, not literally in a trance, just praying. And I'm driving down a Highway 34, and I had an open eye vision while I was driving on the highway. I'm sure I was doing 60, if not more. I had an open eye vision of Jesus and Hannah playing in a meadow in heaven. She would barrel toward him and jump in his arms, and he'd pretend to fall backwards, and they did this about two or three times. They were both laughing really hard. She was wearing a light blue, like a sky-colored dress with a white dotted pattern on it, but she had blackish-brown curly hair like mine. And I was just like, oh, my God, there is my little girl. Oh, so that's pretty cool. That was pretty cool. I was so glad I saw that. Um, but now we're up at the, up at the visions where I, you know, left off. Um, so that was so neat. I just loved it. I just loved it. Um, all right, so we're at the end of today's time. Um, so I'm going to stop right here.
I'm going to stop right here. I start writing more about the Holy Spirit and what he does because I so badly wanted to get back to um, the Spirit-filled life, you know. And I just knew the spiritual atmosphere was different and I thought, oh, I just, I can't, I just can't do this monotonous living spiritually anymore. And so the Lord came through in a really big way. Um, all right, but I'm going to leave it there and get this uploaded and we will talk next time. Have a very blessed evening.